Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. Yo, welcome to the Access Point. Um, really, really excited about this one. Uh, I'm Mike, one of the hosts. Um, Tiffany is with me as well. Hey, y'all. And- and we have a guest. Uh, we're going to introduce her in just a second. But first, uh, let's introduce Living Corporate and the Access Point. Um, so Living Corporate is a writing and podcasting platform that's devoted to exploring and celebrating underrepresented identities in corporate America. So we're an early to uh, mid-career uh, consultant, basically, that came together to sh- with like a shared desire to have like really frank, direct, real talk conversations about the ways we exist and survive and succeed in corporate spaces. As a collective, we represent this broad spectrum of beliefs, cultures, identities. um, And like, we know that our differences have shaped our perspectives and our experiences in corporate America. So that's why we're doing this. And yes, like we wanna engage with other voices that often go unheard and have our conversations out loud in public, in the open so that everybody can see, hear and learn from them. Living Corporate is for anybody who wants to have these conversations with us and push the needle forward um, on how to create and sustain spaces that truly reflect inclusiveness. So that's why uh, Living Corporate is here. And the access point um, is is one of Living Corporate's uh, shows. It's part of the Living Corporate Podcast Network. Uh, The access point is our weekly web show where we strive to bring y'all, like I said, real talk to prepare you for the workforce. And while, look, this content is for everybody, we're focusing on black and brown college students um, and early career professionals in the future of work. So every week we'll have incredible guests that help us discuss uh, whatever topic we're thinking about. This week, uh, I would like to introduce to you Miss Shannon Ashford. Um, So Shannon, I always like, I always, I I have a podcast and I always mess up people's introduction. Um, So, and I mess it up by leaving something out or by overemphasizing something that I think is a big deal. So I'm gonna let you introduce yourself. So Shannon, tell us about you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Mike, and um, the entire Living Corporate team. I'm super excited to be here um, tonight. I love um, exactly what you just said about existing, surviving, and succeeding in the workplace. That is what I'm all about, and specifically for Black and Brown people. Um, So yes, my name is Shannon Ashford, and I am a diversity strategist. Um, During the day, I have the opportunity to work um, within the higher education sphere um, on a campus, and I work in our intercultural center. So I work with um, black and brown students, undergraduate, traditional age students all day, every day. Yeah. Been a little bit 
little weird, but we're still in connection. Um, and so that ranges from helping them figure out what they're doing after they leave and all that's in between um, in their time. In addition, I have the opportunity um, to also consult with a host of different organizations um, and individual contributors around the issues of diversity, inclusion, and leadership. Um, so this is all sorts of my jam. I love talking about resilience. And so I'm just excited to be here. Yeah, I love that. I love that we got educators in the house. I love that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, Art, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say tonight we're talking about resilience and adaptability. So, Shannon, in your opinion, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, so there definitely is a difference, but we can't talk about one without talking about the other. Mm. Um, when we think about adaptability, I look at that as a skill. It is something that um, we can do, but just because someone knows how to adapt to a situation, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are resilient. Um, but adaptability is a part of building the resilience that we specifically as black and brown people need uh, to be able to thrive in the workforce. Um, so when I think about adaptability, it is how am I shifting and being flexible with whatever is thrown my way, but that can be positive or negative. When we think about resilience, it really is about that snapback. So we hear about folks, you know, talking about how am I snapping back? Um, oftentimes, of course, we hear about that in terms of body, but there also can be snapback from difficult situations. So resilience is really how am I bouncing back, snapping back um, when we have been hit hard with whatever may come our way and not only snapping back, but snapping back better. So that's what I'm all about. How can we snap back better um, from whatever? tribulations may come our way. Um, so adaptability helps us to be resilient, but resilience is really that um, that that bounce back or that snap back after difficult situations. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. So so then let's let's talk resilience for a second. Um, why is resilience so important for a new or early career professional? Yeah. So when we think about the uncertainty and things being thrown hello 2020 into 2021 if we if this has not been uh, a case study in resilience for all of us but certainly for black and brown people and that's not even talking about in the workplace um and so when we think about for new professionals there are so many things that we have to juggle. There perhaps is moving. You are transitioning to a new environment, perhaps new friends. You are figuring everything out that's new and you're going into a new culture. If you are coming out of um, a traditional college experience for at least four years, you have known what to do. You've had your routine. You've had your people. You knew your mentors. And then we spit you out and we're like, figure it out. Have fun. And though absolutely we have given you as many tools as we possibly can, you're not really going to experience it until you're in it. Um, and so resilience is just so important for new professionals because there will be um, projects that come your way that you're like, well, hold on. I didn't do this in my internship. What does that mean? But you have it. You have the tools. It doesn't necessarily mean that you had to have done it. But do you know how to um, pivot? Do you know how to ask for help, look for resources? Um, so that's why resilience is so important for, for new professionals, not to burn out and be like, oh no, I failed once and now it's over. Mm -mm. 
Shannon, I know that you have talked a lot about the professional pivot and leaning into resilience, adaptability principles um, quite a bit in your work as a diversity strategist. Um, you know, not only am I, your, am I your friend, but I'm a fangirl. And I know you spoke at a conference earlier this year about sort of some guiding tenets as it relates to activating resilience at work. Can you share um, some of that? Good. Yeah. Some of those gems with us, absolutely, and I appreciate the fangirldom. It's definitely, it's definitely mutual um, in that way. But yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, to keynote a conference, and um, it was all about resilience and social and professional um, experiences, specifically uh, for people of color. And um, I looked at it from being either a lighthouse or a lost ship. So how do we navigate the fog? when we just aren't sure about what's going on. And so when we think about um, if we are a lost ship, so let's put ourselves, if we're in the ocean and the waves are coming and, and we're not sure, it's dark, it's foggy, we can't even see our hands in front of us, how then do we get back on course? Or how do we chart a new course? And so first and foremost, there's five R's. I love alliteration. So we're talking about resilience. So you're going to see five R's. Uh, so the first one is just realizing, realizing and reflecting. So oftentimes when we're in a new space and we're in a work environment, there's so much that's being thrown at us. So much is going on that we don't even realize that we are in need of help or that we are in need of a change, in need of a pivot or in need of a different way of doing something. So the first is just to realize it. And sometimes that means you got to have your sister friends, your guy friends, your people to be like, hey, you seem to be a little a little bit off. Are things OK? Um, so how do you first realize that? And then reflect, take some reflection, reflection time. And so whether that is actually taking time away, whether that is even just walking away from your desk for a minute. If you've been dealing with a project, we have all been there where we're like, I just cannot get this together. I don't know why I can't figure out this Excel. Take a moment to just recenter yourself and say, I got this. I got it. I have all the tools I need. Um, so we realize, we reflect, and then we rest. And that is my favorite, favorite. Anybody who follows me on social, my good, good friends, I've been talking about rest since my days in undergrad. I used to tell people all the time, go to sleep. Take a nap. That meeting will continue on without you. Take a whole nap. Um, and so it's just to rest. And so find time to just rest your body, rest your mind, rest your eyes, because we're always, always going. So we've got realize, we've got reflect, we've got rest, and then we have readjust. So once we've been able to do that, we are better in a better headspace. How are we now charting a new path? And again, we may not have those tools, but there are tools available. Google is a whole thing. That's a beautiful place to start. Don't ever, ever feel bad about going to Google. Um, but Figure out where that is. And again, that also can be people who are around you. And then the last one is reclaim. Reclaim all of your stuff. And specifically for people of color, black people and brown people. And you hear me talk about the ancestors. There is a, there is a lot that we can reclaim for them and for ourselves. And so when we are in times of struggle, reclaim the time, reclaim your, your rest and reclaim everything that you are owed in your time. So that was basically what, what I shared. Um, but those are the tenets that I know that I use to remain resilient um, in the workforce 10 years later. I love it. The five R's, yes. realizing, reflecting, rest, readjust, and reclaim. Reclaim that time. Reclaim it. <laughs> when I was in college, 
people would be at my house when it would be like 8 30 i'd be like y'all don't have to leave i'm gonna go lay it down yeah. <laughs> like, i'm gonna go to sleep so, i'm with that rest i'm with that rest um so let me just pause real quick if you're watching make sure you throw questions in the chat or use the ask the question feature but also let us know like what you what you're feeling i see Lori's already in the in the chat so let us know what you're thinking um it's like black church up in here like give us that feedback uh live and in real time um so i got a question for you uh shannon uh so so is it more important so i feel like we sort of you sort of answered this but i want you to expound this and, and i i actually I think it would be interesting to like talk about it in the context of the five R's, but like, is it more important to power through or take a pause and take care of yourself specifically when you out here trying to secure the bag? So like, listen, I, Gary V, all the voice of the entrepreneur voices out there. They're like, what are you doing from the hours of midnight and 2 AM? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm asleep. I got kids. So like, is it more important to power through or like, like, should we take care of ourselves? Oh, what a question. Um, and I know this is not going to be cut and dry. Again, resilience. It's always about the gray. It does depend. Um, I would lean now in my 33 year old self. Um, again, like I said, having been working 10, 11 years, I'm probably going to lean more toward taking that rest mm. than not. However, especially as a new professional, especially as a college student, what I encourage y'all to do is during this time of college, figuring out as much as you can about yourself where you know this is when I am at my optimum. I, I've got it to be able to grind through because there are, we all, I'm sure the three of us who are here and everybody else who is listening in, we did not get to where we are if we didn't have those times where we were up late. And hopefully the things that we were up late and lost sleep for were things that we were passionate about, that we were, that, you know, gave us drive and gave us purpose. But we need to be able to listen to our bodies and know when we're doing too much. Um, because what I experienced definitely as, as a new professional was, I got to be everything to everybody. I got to sign up for every committee. Hey, I'm here. And again, talking about our identities identities as black and brown people, um, depending on the uh, industry that you go into. And, and for most industries, you will probably be one of a few or the only. And yep. so believe me, there will not be any opportunities that will be untapped that right. they will be asking for from us black and brown people. And so I just encourage you to learn how to say yes and to say no and know the things that you're saying yes to, will they propel you to the next step? So don't just say yes to everything. Um, and we have a habit of doing that as black and brown people because we feel like we may miss out on something. Or if we say no to this opportunity, will they not come back and ask me for another one? But you have to know that your work speaks for yourself. And if you are stretched too thin, that work is not, is not going to be great. And then it'll be another conversation that's happening behind your back. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that there is, um, it's both and it depends on where you are and how you're feeling. But most importantly, you got to know yourself and know what is worth the grind. And when is the time for me to be like, it's time for me to take a step and take a rest. So yeah. you can be more clear. Can, can, let, me, let me just jump in and ask a follow-up question real quick. Like, so I, I created what worked for me in my career. It's like I once I decided, like I was like, look, I, I love education. It's the only field I'm gonna work in, but it's the one I'm I'm gonna make money. Like I'm gonna get this bag. That's what I decided. And so for me, I as I was building, 
I actually decided I'm going to speak for free for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once I had enough engagements under my belt and I could really prove that I, I had the chops, the price went up and I made rules for myself. I'm like, I'm only engaging with people to do anything for free. If I believe in that person, mm-hmm. like not necessarily even the venture, like the individual so I made that rule for myself. So like people know now, like you cannot just hit me up and be like, can you show up at this? And and there ain't no check coming unless like I have a deep relationship with you. And I like I be- I was there from the beginning and I believe. Right. So do you have any rules like that for yourself that help you make those hard decisions? Because it's hard. Like, you know, people want to feel needed. So when somebody's like, oh, I love your expertise or I love what you do. Can you speak for an hour? You know, for me, at least, I get that little dopamine hit where I'm like, oh, somebody sees the work, the grind. Somebody sees the work. So how do you how do you set rules and boundaries for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of going off of what what you said, one for me is understanding and knowing uh, my purpose and those things that I'm passionate about. Um, even as I am and Tiffany knows this because I work with her and talk with her. And when we think about our brand. That is, and it's still even weird for me to say that, um, but but our brand as an individual or professionally, um, there are, you have your niches, you have your things. We cannot be, um, you know, Lord, what is the, um, the, the, what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none. You know, you're just kind of everywhere doing everything, but there's not a specialty. So what is it that makes you unique? What do you have to bring to whatever audience um, that you are having to do that is special to you that nobody can do better than you can do? Um, And so one is just getting very clear on that. And that takes time every and it also evolves. It evolves over time. The things that I was very passionate about and doing in the beginning of my career, I was doing more college access work, um, which I still am very passionate about. But that has evolved into doing more of our diversity, inclusion, equity um, type of work and moving from working in K-12 to higher ed. And so I have been open. You always, I think, need to be open to the possibilities that may come that you may not be aware of even for yourself, but also be very clear on who it is you are in this moment and who it is you want to be in the next three years, five years, and 10 years. Um, and so that is the biggest thing for me. Will Is this helping me get to who I want to be in the next five years, in the next 10 years? And to your point around, do I deeply, deeply rock with the person and the mission of this organization? So that means doing your own research, right? You can't say yes to everybody and anything. And again, as black and brown people, folks will use our blackness and our brownness to have folks at the table. And so it's important that we are guarding all of the gifts that we bring and that we are not just being used um, as a speaking piece for everybody and anybody. Um, and that also happens within if you were in an actual organization. So it's just important that you know what is the role that you were hired for. This is what my job description says. Um, if you perhaps are looking to uh, grow or be promoted, if what you what is being offered to you gives you an additional skill set that may help you in that promotion or something that you're looking to do, then that probably would be a yes. Um, But again, make sure you vet it. Make sure you do your research. Talk to mentors. Ask around before you're saying yes. Um, And it's hard. That's really hard as a young professional to get comfortable saying no. uh, And our identities are all up in that. 
our mm -hmm. identities are definitely all in that. They are in that. Okay. So when Mike said he did free stuff for a year, I was like, mm. Mm, because I did that for a minute as well. And then one day I just realized, why am I doing this? I already did this for a paycheck for 10 years. I don't need to do this for free. I already have the experience, you know? So I think it's hard because you're constantly making decisions at work or for your personal brand outside of work. And we talk a lot about that on the access point because, you know, our audience are black and brown students or new professionals that, you know, have done their thing. And sometimes when you do your thing and you're really good at it, uh, people want a little, you know, want a little piece. They want you to be over here. They want you to do that. So I kind of want to uh, step back one second into something you said, Shannon, because it sounds like in the context of a traditional workplace, being adaptable can be really helpful in terms of picking up new skill or securing the bag, as we like to say. Um, what are the long-term financial benefits that come from being adaptable at work, right? Because for first for us, we've been out here working for a minute. So it's a little easier to say like, no, I'm good on that. I'm, I don't need to be at that meeting or, you know, I'm, my plate is full right now. Or what are you going to take off if you're going to put that on? But for new grads who might not, you know, quite have their footing or are trying to get a lot of experience, um, what are some ways that you recommend they filter through opportunities and how does that how can that impact long-term financial gain that's a lot of words for my question yeah yeah, yeah. got that yes no I, I i hear that completely so i i think when we're when we're looking at the adaptability piece i always in my experience have whether i'm on projects or perhaps it's a, a, a committee or um you know a special group i know for a lot of folks a lot of this comes up in um, employee resource groups or affinity groups ergs um, so these things start these projects or um special requests <laughs> begin to come up and again you need to ask the questions you are always in the same way when you got your job and people talk about negotiating that you are um that you are interviewing your future employer just as much as they're interviewing you, you need to keep that same energy while you are um, in while you are in whatever organization or if you're trying to do stuff outside as well. And so asking the questions of, you know, for for this particular opportunity or this this new project, what do you see? What skills would you want for this um, or what skills would I gain from participating in this um, or, you know, or from doing this? Uh, how much time will this take? Um, do you foresee this taking? So then you can then weigh, OK, well, I still and I, to even say 40 hours a week. We just need to let that go. But, you know, I have my 40 hour a week role. And then I know that this is going to be an additional five hours a week. Is this worth? what that is going to take away. And for many new professionals, it is. Having that additional five hours, if you add all of that up, you may become an expert in a, in a particular skill um, that someone in your particular role doesn't even have. And so you have now made yourself more marketable. And being marketable is, is it. And so when we think about the, the long-term financial gains um, of being adaptable, you never know what opportunities will present themselves and you never know, don't limit yourself to just what you think is about yourself. The, the most amazing roles that I've had and opportunities that have come my way has been because people who know me, who care about me, 
have brought them to me and either seen something in me and said, I think you should do this. I, I think Shannon, like you really don't do the quantitative stuff. You're not really a numbers person. You should, you should, we should work on this data assessment. You should, you should work on that. And I was scared. I said, not me. I'm going to do the qualitative. I can talk to people all day. And I wound up being better at it than I thought, but I got some major skills. And so now in the role that I'm in and even in doing my own consulting work, I understand numbers a lot better. And so these are things that even though I didn't understand it then, they have continued to show up for me time and time again. So there definitely will be long-term financial gains and being adaptable. Uh, but again, we've always got to be um, good stewards of ourselves and our our skills as we are vetting what makes sense for us. Yeah, yeah, love that, love that. Yeah, the one the one thing I add is that to uh, to, to your point about negotiation is to remember that you can negotiate for things other than salary increase as well, like. First, get that money because that's important. But like, I'll give you an example. Like my current job, I work for some. I work for what's called the Reinvention Lab, that is a part of Teach for America. And I like they knew up front. I was like, y'all, like I have video editing skills, um, and I'm I'm okay at. It. I'm pretty good at it. Like um, I've been working on that since high school. It's been like a passion project. Like like I, I like it. But I told them up front, if you want me to do this. I need a pay raise or I need something. And so I, I recently got these video projects and I said, well, I can't start until you order me a MacBook Pro. And I need this program on there. And they were like, uh, OK, uh, and it's on the way. Right. So like you can you can negotiate for equipment too, like equipment, time off, time to go. Like I, I, I helped build a school and. We had this policy that like if you needed time, like it was so uh, brainstorm intensive, like we were creating something new every day. And so we had I, I, I told people just start asking for a week. Like I need a week to go research and build this project and I need a week away from the building. Right. So you, you can negotiate for time away, all those kinds of things, because if you can make that case and argue that like this is going to help me accomplish this task and the whole time you should be documented the whole time. Absolutely. And I'll just add to that, too. Um, another point is around professional development. Yeah. So that is huge. And I know that that has been something that I've been very fortunate in, in most of my roles to um, to both have negotiated, but also, um, you know, to have had that. But sometimes you will not have the opportunity within your organization or, you know, a project that's happening um, within your organization. But you can whether it is volunteering with an association uh, that might be aligned with the work that you do um, or going to a conference, speaking at a conference. Okay. Again, marketable. if you are speaking at a conference and you're bringing your expertise to the table and you're saying, yes, and I work at this organization, that is value add for them. So it's all about know your worth, know what you bring into the table, know your worth, adding tax to that worth. Um, and being confident and asking, always got to add the text, yep. um, but, you know, it is tax season, but we have to add that um, because folks will, they will say, oh yeah, you can do it for free. We're not doing that. Nope. Not over here. Doing it for free. Chad and uh, Ashley are not doing it for free. So we should not be doing it for free either. That's... We talk about Chad sometimes on the access point. Yeah. <laughs> Chad and Ashley, they getting paid, they getting flued out, they get listen. Like their granddaddy has also been getting flued out. So let me go ahead and flued out. That's right. 
I'm telling you, listen, I I worked at a school once where they said, we want you to teach a storytelling workshop because you're good at storytelling. I said, great. Uh, I need to go to New York City so I can go to the Moth because they're the best. And and I need to go a couple of days before just so I can get set up. <laughs> I had never been to New York City. So I was like, let me go explore. Right. I mean, you, get, you like it. I think that's such a key point. And so I think that brings us to our next question, which we've we've been we've been talking about here and there, um, here and there, the idea of personal branding. Um, and I'm sure people that watch me on the access point, they're like, Mike is always talking about personal brand It's because I believe in this to my core. Like I use it every day. Um, so how do you think resilience and specifically adaptability how do you think those can help a young career professional start to build and to maintain a personal brand? Yes. So, and it's I, look, I had to take a deep breath because I'm like, I feel like I'm in this um, right, <laughs> right yeah. in this moment. Uh, but things are so fast, ever changing. Even over the past what five years, we can even talk about this one year. Mm-hmm. Technology makes things change like that, and so being able to be ahead, not even just on brand, on trend, ahead of that, being able to be forward thinking of what is going to be happening in a year, in two years. I know that those are conversations that I have with you know my peer groups as we're thinking about how are we continuously evolving what it is, um, who we are, but also what it is that we offer to the world, right? And so whether that's you know services, education, fill in the blank, what is it that we offer the world and how can we be forward thinking? And that is what the organizations that we work for, that is what they do. They hire folks and pay yep. them amazing amount of money to be doing this research and this development come up with this product that nobody else has thought about and you know and and boom so when we think about being resilient and adaptable there's going to be so many things that we try on we talk about trying on and trying off listen don't get me talk about being in somebody's dressing room okay that is resiliency right there trying on and trying off but truly i mean i'm being funny but really when you are when you are being resilient and being able to bounce back there are going to be things where you where you try with your brand whether it's a look whether it's a new um, service whether it's the way that you are engaging in social media and some of that stuff is going to land and stick and it's like yes and just when you think you got it stuff gonna change and that one little strategy you had it's old now. It's old. Listen, I was doing a program today with some students and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to use this terminology. And they were like, uh-uh, Ms. Shannon, that's old. I said, oh. I used that last semester. What you mean that's old? <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. And I had to, okay, my feelings were hurt for five seconds. They love me. I love them back. Cool. And we bounced back. Um, but yeah, having that resilience and that adaptability to the environment that you're in, to your audience and recognizing that um, the... The more advanced the world gets, the the faster things change. And we have to be that much more quick. We have to be that quicker um, to be able to catch up. Nice. Nice. Well, Shannon, you know, you talked earlier in our conversation about how you just take care of yourself first and you prioritize rest. What are some things that you do to make sure that you honor time and yourself? You know, Like Mike talked about telling his friends at eight o'clock, you got to go. You can't stay here. I'm notorious among my friend group. Like Friday nights are sacred time. Like for the past 10 years, unless 
unless I really needed to be there, I didn't do anything on Fridays because right. by that time I'm exhausted, you know? So introvert season, I'm like, all right, if you want to see me this weekend, you're not going to see me on Friday. Yeah. What do you do to take care of yourself? Yeah. So, um, and it, oh gosh, it has changed over time. And, and I've been appreciative of this COVID season um, because it is it has allowed me to really, one, get to know me better uh, than I probably ever had and figure out what are those things that actually are, are really burning me out. Um, and so I know that we have heard about the conversations of boundaries that's been coming up a lot. Uh, but one is, is recognizing the boundaries that I make around time. And so truly that 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., that, that's it. That, that is truly it. Unless there is a, a whole emergency and, and it has to deal with work, like that's the time that I'm giving you. You know, and of course, if there's a program, great that happens on the weekend. But that is the time that I'm giving you. If it does not feel um, if, if it doesn't fit in that time, like I can't respond until the next day. Uh, and I don't apologize for that. And so there have been so many times where I could talk about my gender, my race, all those things mixed together, being a young professional where I used to feel bad. I used to feel bad for not being on all the time. Um, and so I've really had to, and I have to continue to do it, but I've really had to unlearn feeling bad about saying no, or, and also like knowing that no is a whole sentence. It's not about to be a, oh no, because uh, it's six o'clock. And so it, it, it can just be no. So that is first and foremost, it's just my time blocks and I have it blocked on my calendar and that's where we are. Um, the second would be my habits um, in the morning and at night. So I have over the past almost year now, which is just like wild because it's never been that long, but really exercising and working out. I've just been so grateful for Zoom workout classes. And I truly see a difference between the way that I start my day. Um, and so that means waking up sometimes at six, which was never my thing. Um, but waking up at six and looking forward to that. And people know if they call me, if they text me, I'm not going to respond, even though it's right here on this watch. I'll see you after that. So it's just having the time and being comfortable, not always being available. Uh, that is a way that, that I definitely take care of myself um, because I do. I enjoy giving to others. I do. I enjoy giving to others. I love serving people. Um, I love my people. But I did recognize that I was I was I was tapping out. Um, and so I needed to find the time where I felt comfortable saying it's me time. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I, 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 I always enjoy hearing like the different strategies that people are using. Like for, for me, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time on LinkedIn and I've, I've used LinkedIn as a tool to build, um, to really build my personal brand as an educator, to be able to flow in and out of, uh, in and out of places and increase income. And one of the things I had to do was leave some of these LinkedIn messages on red. I used to try to answer everybody, but pe people, people know now if you hit me up on LinkedIn, you might not hear back. Like it's one of the worst places to reach me because mm -hmm. I just decided I'm not going to be on here all day. Like <laughs> I'm going to be on here all day. I love, I love you. Look at that. <laughs> like, I love that. I love that visual. That's cool. I do. And people will laugh. They're like, I know you saw it. I'm like, I did. And sure please, is. You know, it is nothing personal. Right. Um, yeah. and the only thing that I will also just add to that. You, I know I've said it a number of times, but um, in college, it is so, I had no routines. Mm. It, OK, there was not a routine. I don't even know what the what the dining hall looked like. 
during breakfast. It's just real. I, I didn't. I would just like get up and I would just go straight to class. And I had no routine. And it has taken a really long time for me to figure out what my routines are, what my habits are, what my healthy habits are. And this is the time to do it because when you graduate, life gets all the way real. And, you know, it, again, if you were in traditional college, uh, for, you know, four year setting, what have you, you have so much freedom to be as selfish as you want to be. Um, and so use this time to figure out what it is that you need um, for yourself in order to take care of yourself and start to establish those habits now. Because when you get into that first job, it's exciting. Like you want to be able to be in the know and you're wanting to go when it's not COVID, you know, happy hours and stuff, hanging out with people. And you can just kind of lose yourself if you don't have that grounding. Um, and so I also just encourage uh, you all to, to establish what those routines are and what those boundaries are. Um, and the students I work with, they are already like so much better. They're like, oh yeah, my mental health. I didn't talk about well-being. I wasn't talking mm -hmm. about that. Uh, and so I just, I think it's just something that we really need to establish earlier on. Huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huge. We deserve it, right? Like one of my favorite uh, quotes, I think it's floating around the internet is, you know, rest is not a reward. Like you need to re rest because you're a human being and we're not machines. And it's really easy to forget that when you're out here grinding, whatever the grind yeah. looks like to you, but it's like, we need to not glorify that, you know? So, or as my therapist would say, and check your decolonize your thoughts, decolonize your thoughts. Like, why are we out here burning ourselves yeah. for what? Like, what do you get from that? And, you know, so you're on my neck a little bit. A little bit, I'm, you know, I feel yeah. like the rest in a neon sign is what I see. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I, I want to try something that I, that I'm that I'm hoping to insert in uh, access point culture. I was thinking this morning. So everything I do, I like to do. I like to be different, right? Like I used to be a hype beast. I used to be in sneaker culture, and then one day this flip switch. I was like, I want shoes then where people have to ask me, like, where'd you get those? And then I get to tell a story, right? So I started looking for brands that nobody. So I want I want to make the access point a little different than all the other shows on the Living Corporate Network. So what I want what I want to start doing is have a little fun at the end of the episode. So we're we're we're, we're approaching the end. I want to do what like a draft, right? But these drafts have a theme. So we're gonna pick movies, and I'm putting I'm putting us all on the spot. Okay, we'll pick movies, but these are the movies that that made you change something about your life. So like you watched that movie and you were like, oh, wait a minute. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to start doing X differently. Right. So I, if you, I, I can go first and we, we can just go in order. We'll go me, Tiffany, Shannon. And then, yeah, we, we, we won't overcomplicate it with the snake draft. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just go in order and then we'll, we'll each pick three. Cool. Okay. So do y'all need a second, you need a second to think of it? Just a moment. Um, can we also do books? See that? Yeah, do let's do books. Books, <laughs> okay. books are books. any media, any media. If okay. it's a podcast, if it's a book, Ooh. movie, whatever. Ooh. Like, I don't care if it's a tweet, if it's like Ooh. anything. Yeah. So any any form of of media. Okay. So so I will. I'll start. One one of the books that made me uh, completely change the way that I viewed uh, like work habits in the world was uh, deep work 
from Cal Newport. Um, I actually, I actually grew up thinking that uh, I had ADHD um, because I had a teacher that told me that in in kindergarten. And uh, I realized that I probably didn't have ADHD. Just a fun fact about ADHD is that in in the rest of the world, like outside of the United States, um, only 1% of their population has ADHD. But in the United States, 10% of people. There, there's, a, there's a whole other reason we can go into. But, but, I thought, but that book was the first book that gave me the freedom to say, no, no, no. I can like get into deep work. Like I can focus. I can like really make this happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I need to. So that book changed something for it changed the way that I work. Cool. So it looks like Tiffany's off camera. So we'll, are you, you, you there, Tiffany? I'm still here. I'm still here. Oh, so cool, we're cool. doing three, but we're one at a time. Yeah. Just one okay, at a time. Okay. One at a time. So, okay. So a book that changed my life uh, since we've been talking about rest and just like, you can't be everywhere. Uh, was Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu. Like, I am just, girl. It's she's my home girl in my head. And in the book, she talks a lot about, you know, moving beyond just delegating tasks, but actually looking at everything that you do and organizing it by things you can eliminate, things that can be outsourced either to your partner or someone else, and then things that you actually need to do, right? And so it kind of changed the way I dealt with my personal work-life integration. But now because I work and run a business and I'm a mom and all this other stuff, I've like had to really rapidly apply that principle more frequently. So I used to do like an annual review and now I do it like quarterly. I'm like, yo, I don't need to be out here doing X, Y, and Z because it's not the best use of my time. And um, it was for me revolutionary to see a black woman talking mm-hmm. about sort of time and day. And you know, she's really kicked ass in terms of ascending across her career. So Drop the Ball, Tiffany Dufu would be my one of my book picks. That's a good pick. That's a solid pick. Okay, so I'll start with um, a podcast. And um, it actually, the fourth season is coming up on March 1st, which I'm super excited about. But um, there's an organization called Girl Trek. Um, and so it is uh, two Black women um, who are all about Black women literally saving their lives by walking just 30 minutes a day. Uh, And so I think it was probably about March of last year, maybe May, um, but they started a Black History Boot Camp. And it every they just have 30 minutes where they call in. One of them lives in Ghana. One of them is in Washington, D.C. And they share stories about popular and unsung heroes within Black history. And so being able to throughout last year, that actually saved my whole life. Um, And I think about just like moving and physically being able to move and through all the things that we went through, um, I just learned so much about who I am as a black person. And um, I just had so much, uh, uh, gosh, like motivation to like get it together. I mean, we from some amazing people. And of course, like we know the history folks who are always shared, but there are so many other ones who have just done so many ordinary, extraordinary things. And it just gave me all, all of uh, the feels and the motivation that I needed to be like, all right, step your game up. Like you're crying yeah. and people, wait a minute now, these people walked. They walked on that deck on bus boycott. And what am mm. I doing? Upset that I'm walking. And so it just, it's just a reminder. So I love it. Girl Track, Black History Bootcamp. And it starts again, March 1st. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm checking that out. I love that. 
That's cool. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with the podcast too. I'm gonna I I, I like that. I'm gonna go with the podcast. Um, so as a matter of fact, I so I have a podcast. I have a podcast that's called Schoolish, and one of the things that actually made me switch up the content um, was a conversation with a guy named Quentin Alums. Uh, Q's got a you, you know he, he does most of his social media time on LinkedIn, but he has this podcast called Stupid Deep. And he has this episode where he talks about creating just for the sake of creating. And I was like, man, like that, that, that's something that I want to do. And the reason why it was so impactful for me is because I've always been an artist. Like if you knew me in college, you knew me as a slam poet, right? I was on a slam team. Um, I grew up doing speech and debate, performing, singing, all that, playing music. And in my professional career, sometimes I feel like with my career choice, there's not time for that. But the more I've I've gotten used to creating just for the sake of creating art, the more I've been able to do that while getting paid and bring it into my career to where people are like, oh, like I can increase your salary because you do this thing well. Like you do the, you, you you do this digital media thing well. You do this creating thing well. So so uh, Quentin's podcast, Stupid Deep, and that that episode where he talks about just just freaking creating. Um, mm-hmm changed everything for me. He and I are actually putting together a Black Creators Summit for LinkedIn. Uh, so nice. look, with, with LinkedIn, so look, look, y'all look for that, but that's definitely it. That's my second pick. All right. Uh, my second pick would be The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, right? Old classic. Mine is really ratted up, tatted up, because I've held on to this book for a long time. That and The Alchemist, but I'll talk about The Four Agreements. Um. <laughs> You know, I read it, I think the first time I was in college and I was like, all right, this is deep. <laughs> and again, um, when I started um, thinking about doing my own thing um, in terms of freelance work. And I recently recommended it to somebody because I, if you follow me on social, I'm always talking about like therapy. I believe in it. Like I just wish everybody had access to it, especially black and brown people. But that's another episode. Yeah. Um, but in the four agreements, uh, Ruiz is really, you know, sharing stories that center on these four tenets: be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't assumptions, always do your best. And it's like if you can commit to those four things for yourself, regardless of your faith leaning, regardless of sort of who you are, where you are in the world, power, privilege, positioning, whatever. It's like for me what resonates is we are responsible for ourselves. And when you enter any type of personal or professional relationship with that sort of mindset, everything else becomes really clear, right? Like, cause you're making decisions about, you know, I think Mike said he's not doing nothing for free if he doesn't believe in the person. And for me, it's like free pay. Otherwise it's like, if you're going to be around longer than about 30 minutes, <laughs> Yeah. I don't want your energy to rub off on me if you can't, on the very basic, take responsibility for yourself, right? Because you can really get into trouble quickly with people if they aren't at least attempting to move with care and integrity. And that means a lot to me, especially in work. So, four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, I'm like torn, but I'm just going to just say Brene Brown, period. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, I, 
period. It's the podcast, it's the books, it's the Netflix special, it's all of it. Um, but for me, the first book was Daring Greatly. Um, that was the first book that I read. Um, and right now, actually, at work, we're, we're doing Dare to Lead as just a, as a smaller team. And her research and conversations about vulnerability, I just, I just appreciate the way that she approaches life, but specifically at work. And there can be lots of conversations about like who has the privilege to be vulnerable and like all of that. We could talk about that. Um, but I have taken so many of, of her gems and her tenets around um, vulnerability and specifically the way that I lead, um, the way that I work with students, the way that I work with um, junior colleagues. That has changed my whole outlook. And um, I'm just appreciative. And I think that when I connect with other people who have read her work and, and try to put that into their practice, it's just a different vibe. It's just a different vibe. And um, it just makes you enjoy working and working with people and honoring people and loving people. So everything that she does, I just I appreciate her way of being, to be honest. And um, I just I, like I always learn from her. I just want to keep on bringing her in as much as I can. And Brene Brown's such a good pick. Um, <laughs> makes me feel like I wish I would have done it first. I wish I wish Brene would have gone. Well, I was going to do The Alchemist, but I mean, then Tiffany said it was fine. Yeah, The Alchemist <laughs> is another one. Like, that's one that I feel like I'm like, man, like, I'm like, I can't pick that one because everybody's going to pick. Okay, so, okay. I, I like I like the Brene Brown pick. That's a good one. Um, man, I get then I guess I I will go with another another person like a body of work thing because I like that idea because um, I can't really choose one um, one another person who's really impacted the way that I work at least um, and I, I'm I'm torn between two and I don't want to leave out either person so I'm actually I'm actually just gonna say John Henry because I had a conversation with him John Henry is this young entrepreneur from. Uh, from New York City, started out as a doorman when he was 18, uh, met a guy who helped, ended up helping him start a mobile dry cleaning business, sold it for somewhere around a million dollars, then started coaching entrepreneurs, built other ventures. Uh, if you are familiar with Harlem Capital, he's one of the founders of Harlem Capital. It's like investing in uh, a bunch of black and brown founders. Apple just gave them like, I think they just gave, Apple just gave them a lot of money. I think it was like a hundred million dollars. Like it was a lot of money, like um, to to invest. Like they're crushing it. He just created an insurance company called Loop. And so when I was building, uh, when I when I really got into entrepreneurship and I was building my ventures, uh, John's content, like he had a television show called the the Hustle. Um, and what was dope about this show, and and I I just told him on Clubhouse the other day, I was like, you got to bring this content back is that he used to do this real entrepreneurship education where he would like use a word as he's talking to an entrepreneur and it would cut to the scene of him like standing in the middle of the, the busy New York street. And he breaks down, he's like, yo, here's what equity means. Yo, here's what customer acquisition, here's what LTV means. And, and like, I literally learned how to be an entrepreneur. Like I learned some of these terms that I, I maybe would have gotten in business school from like doing it and then like watching that show and, I, I remember a YouTube video where he was like, never hire a PH, PR agency. You can get to anybody you want to. And then he, he, he did it on there. And I was like, well, let me try. Mm-hmm. Now, fundamentally, I'm the guy that rolls up at a meeting in my job. And they're like, oh, can we get a meeting with this person? I'm like, bet, I got it. And so like, the, you know, a couple of days later, I'll have a meeting with that person. 
you know, so John has had a profound impact on my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and shout out to John because he's moving to Texas. He just moved to Texas, uh, moved to Austin. So we, we're going to link soon. But uh, yeah, he's had a profound impact on my career. So look up John Henry. Nice. I thought you were talking about like John Henry, John Henry from like history class. I know with the big, ha- the, the, yeah, yeah the, not like- railroad John Henry. <laughs> Uh, let me let me let me let me drop a link for my my man. <laughs> I, like, I, like I was like Uncle John Henry, but that's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I different, love that. Di- different John Henry, but yeah. Uh, I love hearing the story of founders and like you know, bouncing from one thing to the next. Dope. Yeah. Um, all right, y'all are gonna laugh, but my movie pick is Devil Wears Prada. Okay. <laughs> Don't be petty. Don't be petty if y'all are watching this later. But it's not a bad pick. It's <laughs> not a bad pick. I'm gonna tell you why though, right? Like I, I was so shy. Like in, co- I was shy my first year of college, and no one would ever believe that because I'm a fool now. But I majored in theater and psychology, and I a deep credit to my theater experience. It just helped me hone my voice and just feel comfortable saying whatever it is I got to say. Uh, and getting it done. So, you know, I was focused on directing at the time, but I remember the first time I watched Devil Wears Prada and I was like, oh, Meryl Streep did what she had to do. She did what she had to do in this film. But in the context of work, what I really love about it is, you know, problematic, toxic workplace aside. Um, she, her character was unapologetic about being very good at what she does, right? Like there's something to um, the power that comes with being, you know, a juggernaut in your industry. And there's a scene in the movie where, you know, uh, I think Andy tries to say like, oh, it's just a, it's just a, you know, blue shirt. Like as if this entire industry that's employing all of these people, all these creatives has sort of moved and influenced, you know, a great deal of our lived experience, you know, in pop culture and stuff just doesn't matter. It's just a little sweater at the bottom, you know? And when she kind of rips her, you know, reads her for filth, I was like, she ain't have to do all that. But, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about um, how her character kind of embodies this woman in the workplace. There's a lot to be said. I think about it a lot now, you know, as a woman who is moving through spaces, consulting and teaching and doing things because people will really try to sell you some bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> because they think you're nice and you know the voice all high pitched and you smile a lot, but it's like no, I will eat you for breakfast. Like no, you know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Meryl, but there, but you know, you really have to kind of, you know, pull your pants up and, and go toe to toe with people sometimes to make sure that you're paid equitably, to make sure that you're heard, and sometimes you got to leave stuff on the table. And there's a lot of power that comes from that. Um, in general, but especially when you're running your own shop. So Devil Wears Prada is mine. Plus the fashion is, you know, hitting. So. <laughs> yes, I love that. I feel like I need to revisit. Um, I haven't seen that in so long, but I did. I really I enjoyed that movie. And the book is really good, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. My last thing, I just feel like I can't not give a nod. Um, and again, this is like more broad, but we'll just say Disney, period. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much I can say. That's a great pick. <laughs> so much I could say. Uh, but I did just um, finish reading Creativity Inc. Um, and it is about 
have you yeah it is wonderful yeah. it's kind of big kind of thick it took me a minute to get through it yeah. um but it was about the merger or i guess the acquisition of, of pixar into disney and just how that worked um but really learning about how how their their organization works and how they value creativity and and the way that they you know all come together and they have these day long of just like brainstorming and of course and for people who are in the creative world um i know that that is more um uh commonplace but in in certain industries for sure like in education we don't take that time mm-hmm. and there are just so many principles that i've learned over the years and um conferences that I've, I've i've done and worked with um throughout disney and, and books that i've read um just the the the, the um culture that they try to create. I know sometimes it misses. Okay. But that they try to create um, is just outstanding. And to see like, and they always talk about it all started with the mouse. It for real all started with a whole mouse. And they're just out here continuing to just dominate. Do- and just dominate and but you want to talk about brand they don't play about that brand right not play about their brand so there's just so many things i admire about about that um company and the brand and and the work over the years yeah me too i i used to say that that little mouse run the world like <laughs> right. disney got they got marvel they got they got they got espn <laughs> disney got everybody got but i'm like Plus, okay. this class got all the coins. Okay, listen, listen. All everybody I know, take my money. Take this. This is the most expensive subscription I have. Hey, take Disney it. Plus. Disney Plus said you can have Hulu. You can have Disney. You can have ESPN. You can have National. They all. They, they give it to you. Wanda Vision is showing up. They were ready. Though. You see how Disney was ready? That's what I'm saying. Get ready. They said, yes. stay ready. Disney yeah. stay. <laughs> yeah, we like I, I remember when I saw that I was like, oh, is this the end of Netflix? Because if Disney coming in the streaming business, so I don't know that I can justify I got I got four kids. I don't know that I need Netflix. Like, like <laughs> Disney Plus is all we need. Um, as long as I have that in ESPN, which is also Disney, it's all I need. <laughs> so again, I think you won the draft. Uh that was you you have Brene Brown and Disney. Uh, I don't know that, that anybody else can beat you, but um, I, w- I, I just want to say thank you for coming on to the access yeah. point. Like I've had a blast. Um, hope you've had a great time. Yeah. Um, so before we get out of here, where do you want people to find you? Cause I'm sure people are going to be hitting you up. Yeah, you all can absolutely come find me. I'm on LinkedIn, Shannon K. Ashford. And then also on Instagram, you can find me. It's Shannon Kimberly, I T S Shannon Kimberly. Um, I can drop that actually. Uh, oh, you, you got I just it. dropped your LinkedIn <laughs> on it. Staying ready. Um, ready. So that's where y'all can find me. <laughs> cool. What about you, Tiffany? Where, where can they find you? Oh, gosh. Whew. On the internet. Um, <laughs> right. Instagram and Twitter. I'm Tiffany Waddell Tate. So happy to be found there. Also, Tiffany Waddell Tate on LinkedIn. Happy to be connected with anybody who's on the call. Hit me up. I recently started making reels and I think I'm funny. So let me know if I am. Uh, <laughs> can't wait. I'm watching. And I, I laugh. Yeah. Oh, bless. But yeah. Shannon, it has been a pleasure. I so appreciate you saying yes and invite to join us on the Access Point. I know that viewers are going to get so much out of your uh, wisdom gems, your energy, and just you sharing your light with us. So I appreciate you as always. Yes. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. It's been fun. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. 
Thank well, y'all for being here. Yeah. Good night. Bye.